0: Hey folks, Adam McDaniel here, welcoming you back to Apex Mind. Our mission here is to cut through all of the proprietary systems and gatekeeping that the learning and development industry is known for. I've worked in this industry for more than 13 years, and I've noticed that too many learning professionals are just speaking in a silo to themselves. Today, everybody has to be good at training and at learning in order to succeed. And it's my goal to help you to get there. I want you to get better at making other people better. In today's episode, we're going to talk about learning from failure. We've talked before about challenging the people that you train, since more challenges means more retention and better performance post-learning. We'll start off today focusing specifically around failure and how that relates to challenge and how those things can be learning opportunities for both you and for the people that you train. Let's start off by looking at some famous examples of folks that encountered failure and grew from that and ended up finding quite a bit of success afterwards. First up is author J.K. Rowling. She was nearly penniless, depressed, divorced, and raising her young child while writing Harry Potter before she ever got signed. Also, is Michael Jordan, one of, arguably one of the best basketball players of all time. He was cut from his high school basketball team. After that, he went on to be an amazing NBA player. And he was once quoted as saying that, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. So not only did he have that amazing story of you know, coming from being cut from his high school team to being an amazing NBA player, he recognized that and he looked at all those smaller failures, whether they be the missed shot or the lost game. Another good example is author Stephen King. His first book, Carrie, it received 30 rejections. He actually had taken the the manuscript for the book and threw it in the trash never to be seen again. But lucky for him, his wife fished it out of the trash and encouraged him to resubmit it. And that submission number 31 was the one that got started on a career of one of the most famous writers that is alive today. And the last example I'll give you is actor Sylvester Stallone. He had a really rough life growing up um, before we came to know his name. He was homeless for a period of time living in his car in his adult life. And he was so broke when writing Rocky that his electricity was turned off. He even had to sell his dog just to get by. Definitely a very low point in his life. And yet then he goes to produce Rocky and have an amazing career for years and years after that. It's easy to look at these Authors and actors and sports players, and and look at their failure. Not all of us are going to have quite as unique and amazing of stories as, as these individuals did, but we can still take those times where we fail or something doesn't quite work out the way that we want it to and turn that into a learning experience that can actually make us better. We're going to look at an article called How to Succeed at Failure in the Atlantic, and the author of the article is Arthur Brooks. If you haven't heard of Arthur, he's a Harvard professor, social scientist, PhD. He's also an author of multiple books. He hosts multiple podcasts. One that I really like from Arthur is The Art of Happiness, which is a very good podcast. And he's a columnist at The Atlantic, which is where this article comes from. And this article focuses on how to address those failures or those low points in our life and what we can do to turn those into learning opportunities that we can make even better for ourselves. Some examples of things that that could put us in these failure-type situations, maybe a relationship collapses, your company goes under, you could be fired from a job, maybe you failed an exam at school, Um, if you're playing sports, you drop the winning touchdown pass You were trying to get in shape and you fell off your diet or your exercise regimen. You didn't get that job you applied for. The project you were working on didn't quite meet expectations. There's so many examples of this this type of failure and and I'm sure we can all relate to at least one of those ones there. No matter what you're experiencing that, that could be considered failure... It can definitely be painful and it can be hard to shake for some people. That failure for some people can follow them for the rest of their lives. The downside of um, having this carry with you is some people see that failure as part of their identity and they really associate that as the person who lost the game for the team or the person that could never get in in shape or the person that can't hold down a good job. And, And that's a really bad way to think. If you learn to actively manage the pain, the disappointment, the bitterness, you can turn that that failure into growth and possibly even turn it into happiness. Don't ruinate on the failure. Um, You can try to look for explanations that are not there. It can lead to uh, making it much bigger than it actually is. Um, One thing I remember hearing many years ago from Tony Robbins is focus on what you can control. Right. And so that that thing that happened in the past, there's a lot of things you can't control. You can't control that it happened already and and you can't go change that. Um, But there could be those things that you could learn from it and control those things next time. But just focus on those things and not all the things that you can't control that already happened in the past. Go all the way back to the early humans and there is an evolutionary reason why this could be happening The practical reasons of when they failed at what they did, it could be very catastrophic for themselves or for their tribe. If you're going out and hunting a large animal to feed your family and it goes wrong, either you don't get the animal or you or someone from your hunting party gets injured, it's a pretty big deal for the tribe. Um, Or maybe you're having a conflict with a neighboring tribe and it, it doesn't go well you you lose folk from your tribe or or you get injured, those things aren't gonna really help you out. And so, you know, evolutionary speaking, we we have a reason for being concerned about failures. Thousands of years ago, if we couldn't hold down our job, we couldn't feed our family. And not to dismiss the types of issues that people can experience today, but overall, most of our lives are much easier than those ancestors were. And you certainly don't want to brood over that failure. You don't want it to be stuck in your mind because it will set you up for more failure. You become fearful. You can lose confidence. And you might even miss new opportunities. You know, confidence breeds more confidence and lack of confidence can breed more of a lack of confidence. And so certainly you do not want to brood over it. One thing I liked about this article is it presented multiple strategies to move past the failure. And the first of those strategies is to think about others past failures as well as your own past failures. So the reason why we want to think about it and expose failures, whether they're ours or someone else's, is when you're exposed to an object of fear, it makes it more ordinary and less threatening. Um, There's a lot of science out there that shows this. If you're scared of something and you're around it more, you're going to be less scared of it. And so expose yourself to failure. Be, Be aware of those. That's why I started this episode with those stories about J.K. Rowling and Michael Jordan and Stephen King and Sylvester Stallone. Because knowing that these people who found a lot of success later in their lives also experienced failures makes that failure more okay to us. To illustrate this, there was an experiment done on some students at Columbia University where some students had learned about some famous scientists' successes and their failures, whereas another group of students learned only about the successes of those scientists. The group that learned about successes and failures, it motivated students to better handle their own defeats and it helped them to obtain significantly higher grades than the group that only heard the the positive news or the successes of those other scientists. One other way to become familiar with failures, it's great to know about these scientists or famous people that failed, but you also have to look at your own. You don't want to only focus on the good things that have happened to you or your successes. And so to be aware of your failures, the recommendation is to journal them. It doesn't sound as scary when it's written. Versus having to talk about it. Writing things down helps them to get out of your head. And it can help you to process them more from a logical standpoint. Maybe even seeing the positive side of it. Um, I've been journaling for years. And actually until reading this article, I hadn't thought about journaling down failures or misses. Um, I like to journal down the other side, the wins. And I also like to do planning in my journaling and gratitude in my journaling. But this is this has made me really rethink it, and I'm going to start doing this where even if I miss something, I want to journal it because it does, it, it gets it off your chest. And when you write it in that journal, it's there, you've addressed it, but it's not something that you're going to stick with because you've you've put it on the page, you've gotten rid of it. So when we talk about learning from the failure, and anytime you're going into anything, Your goal should be on practice and improvement and learning rather than just on succeeding. We can't succeed at everything. The best sports team in the world isn't going to win every game. Um, Your business unit at work isn't going to exceed every single metric, every single quarter. Focus on doing your best, but whenever you miss the mark, you have that chance to learn from that and improve. And and that's a framing you can do for yourself in your brain. You know, the value that we create in life has more to do with our knowledge and our experience, even the failures in that experience than it does with our accomplishments. So it's a good idea to reflect back on all failures and misses and look at what that takeaway was that's going to help you to get better in the future. You didn't get that job. Well, how can I interview or present myself better at the next one? A new employee I brought into my business wasn't brought up to speed well enough. Well, now I could learn not only how to develop them post-hire, but I can also learn a better way to onboard the next person even better. Um, a deliverable or a project that you produced didn't quite hit the mark. Well, get that feedback and you can possibly, depending on the circumstance, improve that, that product or that project and, and have it hit the mark. Or at least you can learn what, what you did that, that didn't quite hit the mark so that your next project is even better. The last suggestion to, lear, or to make failure a learning opportunity is just to always have your why front and center. And so that, that's your guiding principles. That is the, the thing that is causing you to do what you do. If you've not read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, that is the standard on on this concept if you have a good why that's driving what you do then the failure is only a temporary setback if you're if you're trying to lose weight because you want to be healthy for your kids well if you have a time that you go off your plan maybe it's the holiday period and you didn't stick to your diet and you ended up gaining some weight well, it's not going to matter because your kids are still there on the other side of the holidays. You can learn from that, and you can adapt to it, and you can get right back on track. Um, if you produce that project that doesn't quite hit your mark, well, there's a reason why you do what you do. That you're in your role, you can hone or you ground yourself back to that, and use the learning from that project that didn't quite hit the mark to get even better and hit, you know, produce for your why in the future. So let's shift and think about how we can leverage this concept of learning from failure and these tips that the article had had provided. And how can we leverage this for learning and training? Previously, we mentioned the concept of adding challenge to the training and learning should be challenging so that people that Fail in a safe environment before the real one that that's really, really important. You know we we talked just a moment ago about you know the goal should be improvement in learning rather than always success. And when you're talking about training, whether it's for a new role or a new skill set, um a new system, that's really when you're when you're training on that, when you're learning about that, the goal shouldn't necessarily be success in the training environment. It should be success down the road in the job but it should be on improvement and learning and getting better at it. And so that you can be successful on the job. When we talk about challenge, challenging learners, it's a good idea to let your learners experience something and learn from that failure. And what, what I mean by that is a lot of training, especially when it's instructor led or even when it's self-guided online training type content, too many times it's too front loaded with information it provides a ton a ton of information that's using up a lot of the learner's brain power and it's using up a lot of the time and then the practice the application the challenge if that's even there it comes at the end and it's a very small amount of time so what's going to transfer to the job the information the knowledge might transfer to the job But the execution of it may not because you're not focusing on that quite as much. The idea is rather than front-loading in that way, you can potentially backload, and that's not really what you're doing here, but you take that information, that knowledge out of the front, let people experience it, let them go to resources, let them get hands-on. Maybe they're going to make a few guesses of how something's done. If it's a safe environment, it's not going to hurt anything. And as we said in a previous episode, even if people get it wrong when they're learning, they still learn a lot from that as long as they get the right answer by the end. An experience I had with this, you know, years ago, I worked on a project that was revamping a technical new-to-roll program. The program before I was assigned to this project was very dry. It was very lecture-based. And trust me, there was a lot of information in it. And the people coming out of it probably ended up learning a bunch of terms and definitions and things of that nature. But after I did the updates, I championed a few key things. And one of those was to add more challenge. And the ways that we did that were we got rid of those front-loaded lectures. They gave too much information up front. We also got rid of the overly in-depth system walkthroughs that would typically either be done by an instructor or just very prescribed within training content. Instead, we had the learners explore systems and use resources to see where to go, what to check. They figured it out on their own with a guide, a trainer there to help them, but the trainer wasn't telling them all the features of a screen and all the steps of a process the trainer was there to challenge them to ask them questions provide them scenarios and that was another part of it was adding very realistic and challenging scenarios that were based on the job they required troubleshooting and deductive reasoning skills in order to correctly solve them Now, after incorporating this and the other updates that weren't tied to the challenge that I'm sharing with you today the new training program not only was it shorter, it was three days shorter than the original onboarding program, but also it resulted in much better performing employees. So they were able to resolve people's issues faster. Their time uh, of interacting with a customer was shorter. This challenge was a little concerning and people failed. And, And I'll tell you, we got these folks that were in class that they weren't used to this type of learning. They were used to having their hands held. They were used to hints, having instructors guide them through in an easy way. So there were quite a few of the learners that that really struggled with it. And I worked with a lot of other trainers and, and certified them and set them up for success with this program. And a lot of them struggled too, because they were used to being that um, instructor that, would very kindly walk people through things and hold their hand and provide hints and just give the information. It's challenging for, for you to adapt to this way of doing things, but it's not only better for your results, but it's better for your learners. And people are going to appreciate that challenge. And when they do fail in class, they're going to learn from that. One thing you can do to help lead towards this, this giving you better results is. First of all, set the environment up for success. So depending on who your audience is, you're gonna have to set some sort of expectations. You know, Those expectations of those things I just talked about. I'm not gonna always give you the answers. I'm gonna expect you to look things up. Expect that if you get something wrong or you do this in a incorrect way, that's okay. We're in a learning environment and you'll get feedback. And when you set those kind of expectations up front, It makes it easier. And then when people do give pushback or struggle, you can always tie back to those expectations that were set up front and really reinforcing it. And that's how you create that challenging learning culture where folks learn from failure. If if your employees have only worked at other companies where the training is fed to them, they're going to expect that from your training as well. Too much struggle could make them question themselves or wonder if they're good enough for the job. So be careful to not over challenge people or make them fail too often. You've got to celebrate those wins. You've got to make it realistic for people to actually accomplish what you're expecting them to accomplish. Definitely stress the learning from failure section that we discussed at the top of the episode. Um, you can certainly share those types of stories. You don't even have to go for a super famous celebrity like those stories I shared with you, you probably have some great examples of people within your company who struggled and then did well later. I I think of a woman I trained many years ago when I was still a frontline trainer and she was someone who came into the job and she struggled. She was much older than the average person that was coming to work in that role. Usually we'd get folks in their 20s. And and this um, woman was probably in her 40s and she just struggled with some of the technology that was expected and some of the knowledge. And I remember that she was thinking of quitting. Fortunately, we were able to work together. I gave her some extra sessions. I helped reinforce some concepts with her and she got it. And she ended up becoming a really good employee once she grasped that technical concept. Make sure you are valuing those folks that you know, maybe don't need to be challenged quite as much. In my experience, most learning and most trainers don't add enough challenge. The, the risk of too much challenge is, is not as common. But just, just be aware of that. Next thing you can do in regards to learning from challenge is provide an outlet of resources so that when your employees inevitably fail, they can grow and learn from it. And so no matter what your company has some sort of knowledge repository, a knowledge base, a list of documents, process flows, whatever you call them at your company, those are very handy when you're training in this way so that people can reference those resources. They help you to identify the potential cause of the failure. If they're walking through a process to troubleshoot something or enter information into a system, if you have that documented in a a resource, you can see where it is that they need to shore up their skills. Once you see where they're struggling, provide those resources for them to reference later. If needed, you can provide training if you think that like the person I gave you the story about and I did the extra sessions with her, if it is more of a knowledge gap, you can do that. Also, if it could be a coaching-related thing. If this is someone who's more tenured in their job and you know the resources are clear and you know the training provides the right information, that might be something where their direct leader needs to work with them one-on-one to figure out what is the behavior gap that needs to be coached and addressed. The last thing that I think will help create an environment for challenge and learning from challenges, make sure the leaders at your business have good coaching skills. Those those leaders should be having ongoing meetings and communications with their team. They should be promoting what their employees are doing well and not just giving a list of, of misses. They should be identifying the specific skill or behavior that needs to be improved. Providing suggestions, providing resources, or training if needed to improve that skill. And then most importantly, follow up afterwards. It's not a one and done coaching situation. Nobody likes to just have information thrown at them that they're doing wrong. So having that coaching conversation be a reoccurring event and an ongoing conversation, those kind of things really help people to address that that challenge and those things that they're failing at and to get better. So it's really not all addressed from the training side. This coaching, depending on the size of your business and how many different roles you have, that's gonna be very important as well for people to learn from those. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. Let's recap what we discussed about learning from failure. So from that How to Succeed at Failure article by Arthur Brooks, there was a couple of takeaways. Make sure failure is less threatening by learning about the failure of others taking note of your failures, and focusing on your why. For training, we want to challenge learners and let them fail in a safe environment. We want to provide an outlet or resources to allow learners to grow. And then we want to ensure leaders at your business have adequate coaching skills. Remember, everybody, we have new episodes launch every Monday and Friday. If you want to connect and keep these conversations going, Once again, I'm most active on Twitter and LinkedIn, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at ApexMindAdam, and then on LinkedIn, I am Adam-McDaniel. Follow me at either of those platforms or both of them. Those are where I'm engaging with conversations tied to the things on these episodes or other things with other learning professionals, and I'd be happy to have you there with me. But thank you for listening, and I'm going to ask you three favors today. First, Most importantly, implement something you learned today. Talk about it with others. Take some notes and do some planning of how you can incorporate these concepts of failure and challenge into what you do. And just implement something you learned into your day-to-day. Second, I'd appreciate it if you told two people about Apex Mind. Recommend the podcast to some folks that you know would benefit from this content. And third, if you enjoyed what you heard today, consider giving us a five-star rating and a review on your podcast player of choice. Doing this will help us to reach more people. All right, everybody, go and help someone to be better than they were yesterday. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.